Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay, and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am Zach Mikaj with DenverStiffs.com. You guys are listening to Nothing But Net Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network. Follow us on Twitter at DenverStiffs, at MBN Dash Radio. Check us out on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs, and follow us and give us a like on Facebook. Also, if you are Catching the Pickaxe Pundit Show on the podcast version. Why aren't you listening to Nothing But Net Radio and getting us live, for one. And for two, if you are, give us a subscribe. Give us a uh, review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you're using to listen to your podcasts. All righty. Let's, uh, let's get right into our co-host for the day, Mr. Gordon Gross from Colorado Springs. Gordon, what's up, man? Not much. Just uh, getting started and uh, looking forward to talking some Nuggets, even if the Nuggets aren't making it real easy to look forward to their games. Yeah, <laughs> it's been. We were talking about this right before we went on the pod. It's been a. It's been a rough, a rough week for the Nuggets, uh, um, in terms of the game of basketball, which is which is a bad thing because that's what they do. But uh, it's it's we're gonna get into it. I wanna I wanna talk about this this. It ends up being a three-game losing streak. Uh, Nuggets get off the schneid last night against the Grizzlies, but we'll talk about the three-game losing streak, um, what we liked about it and what we didn't like about it. I don't think we liked anything about it. Uh, after that, we'll get into we'll get into the Memphis game, uh, specifically since they just played that one last night. Uh, we'll take a break. After that, I want to I want to talk about Nikola Jokic. We've um, you know there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of talk right now going on about Nikola and and. Uh, he's been in kind of a slump. He's been in a bit of a shooting slump in particular. Um, so I want to talk about that. And then finally, if we have some time, we got the Spurs coming up here tonight in about an hour and a half. So uh, might as well give the, get a little preview of them, and that'll be our show. So uh, let's get let's get right into it, Gordon. Three game losing streak. Um, which was the what was the worst loss there? I mean, obviously, I think I think most people will take the. You, 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 actually, I think most people are probably about as happy as you can be about a loss um, when it came to losing to the Warriors. But but the Hawks and the Kings were both um, those are both teams Nuggets should beat uh, pretty much under any circumstance. So so those were tragedies, right? Right, exactly. So which one? But which one was the worst one? It, it has to be Atlanta because you were prepared. Right. Like, you can tell me that you have a trap game or you can tell me that, you know, it was on the road. Back but to back. For, for the Kings. Yeah, for the Kings, there's a bunch of things at work. You have had a couple of days to stew about the fact that you blew the Kings game and you roll out and, and provide the effort that you provided in the Hawks game. No, that's that's the loss that's basically unforgivable. There's no reason for that. Right, exactly. And I think, I mean... The thing about the Hawks too is it's like that—that that is a team that is so clearly um, trying to lose, right? They're 
they, their talent level is it's the <clears throat> well the, the the office is trying to like the front office will right. be okay with losing the the players are like screw you I'm gonna win what I can yeah exactly exactly right so, but the, I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is so both these these are both the 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 cellar dwellers of the um, of their respective right. conferences but but the Hawks you almost you, you feel like with the Kings like they've they've kind of like turned that corner in their rebuild right like they're okay they've got this like young group of guys now kind of like how the Nuggets have you know they got Deer and Fox they got uh, Oh, Scal and uh, Willie Cauley Stein, and now they had—I mean, they had like similar to the Nuggets uh, last year. This year, they had three first-round picks. They used all three of them. Like you feel like, okay, that's a team that's kind of now turned that they've hit rock bottom, and now they're they're coming back up and um, trying to trying to start to get better. The Hawks, I feel like they're still like on the decline. Like I feel like this is rock bottom this year for them. Like they should end up, in my opinion, they should end up with the most lottery balls at the end of, when it, when it's all said and done at the end of the season. Um, so to lose to that team uh, at home, like you said, when you're prepared, like yeah, it's it's got to be the worst one of, of the two. Because the thing about the, the Kings is it was it was on the road, it was on a back to back. When I was on the pod last week with uh, when I was on Locked On with. Um, with Adam, I just, that's what I said. We were trying to predict how they would go over those next three games. Uh, none of us had them at zero and three, but uh, I, I said I said there would be one and two because I was like they'll, I was like this this is kind of who the Nuggets are. They'll drop that game um, in Sacramento right. on a back to back. That's that's just the type of game they would drop. The home game in Atlanta, you know that's that's the type of game you win, and it and it, it kind of it, it makes me start to wonder um, is this this home court advantage. Uh, that the Nuggets have had this season isn't really as advantageous as we make it out to, or have made they they just had a uh, a good string early string. Of games. I I'm, I don't believe in it. If they're not going to show up, right. I mean, the, the, if they play slow, other teams have no reason to get tired, and the crowd's not going to get into it because we don't. The Nuggets fans are not a kind of crowd that is like, well, we're just going to cheer for 48 minutes even right, if you provide right. dog shit on the court. They, they That's not the kind of fan base that No, they're the a Nuggets momentum are. crowd for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, when you do some high-flying dongs or some transition things, they get bouncy. And if you're just going to stand around at midcourt, you know, and, uh, you know, slag threes off the, the backboard, then they don't care that – that they will become disinterested quickly. Right. So that the home court advantage is only there if the team plays the right way. If they don't, they have no home court advantage. Right. Yeah, and that's you know it's it's something that um, it's something that, that you want to see them capitalize on it. You want <laughs> this is this is I think everybody was, one of the most exciting things about the first half of the season was that they were so talented at, or so so dominant at home. Um, and you started to get that feeling like it was back when they won the 57 games, which is the last time we really had some major excitement um, going in the, in the season. And, and you started to feel like, okay, that, they've got that home court advantage back. That's, that's one, a huge part of what's going to make them so successful. But you're right. If they're, if they're going to come out like they do against the Hawks and just, and just almost, it, it, it was almost like, you know, first quarters in general, man. Yeah. Like, first well, quarters in general, like, for everyone, they've been butchering these these first quarter, you know, appearances and keeping teams in it and letting guys get comfortable and right. not putting them behind the eight ball and then it's a fight the whole game. Right. They've been doing this for you know the last month. It's been terrible. Right. And it's and and what, what makes it even tougher and what we I think we saw on that uh, on this three game slide, um, they they do the worst they they do the worst against the worst teams right they play down to their competition Every, oh yeah i mean when they played against the warriors they they came out and that was that was like the nuggets at their finest i mean that was despite the fact or other than the fact that they lost you, I mean, it was it was everything you wanted. You got a triple double out of Nikola Jokic, and he was playing Nikola Jokic type basketball, getting down into the post, making things happen. Uh, you got twenty po- plus points from both Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. You got twenty plus points from Trey Lyles. Like it was, that was right. that was the that's the Nuggets recipe to win. They don't do it because they're playing in Golden State and Steph Curry is ridiculous. But that it's so frustrating because you're like, okay. You played like that against the team, and, and even when you gave your best shot, you lost just because of how good they are. If you just give your best shot like that against Atlanta, you win by like 25 points, you know, or against even against Sacramento on the second night of a back-to-back. You're going to – then you might win that game by, by a couple of points late, you know, and win it late. Right. <clears throat> and at that Sacramento game, I mean, it was bad. It was just terrible basketball. But right. I, all of the turnovers, you're like, well – 
<clears throat> you got careless with the ball, so careless, you just didn't care at all about uh, ball protection. Right. And and so you coughed it up, and you didn't have enough chances. You didn't have enough offensive possessions to win that game. You had plenty of offensive possessions against Atlanta. They just didn't. They didn't come. They didn't show right. up. Like it was. It's a very weird no show. Uh, it was for me one of the most disappointing games of the season. Yeah, I, just because they had every reason to show up, and they just against a team that if you show up, you can put them down, and they decided not to do it. It was just weird, right? And it's it's kind of it's the formula I think we we've seen for you know when you said the most disappointing game of the season, like that's when you think of okay, well, what are the other most disappointing games of the season? I think of like Philly, the Philly game um, specifically yeah. comes to mind, and it was almost like the exact same. Uh, story in that one too it's just like okay uh you didn't we're not really going to give any effort or energy here we're just going to kind of settle for our jump shots and yeah they're not going to fall uh and what was interesting is these uh, everybody in the locker room was talking about this last night all the players and they were like when the problem with the, the atlanta game also was that we when our shots weren't falling we also didn't give any effort on defense and so you know that that what happened was okay well you know we just we basically let atlanta have whatever they wanted we right. didn't make any effort on our end, and then we end up losing to to the worst team in the league by uh, by thirteen points at home. Yeah, I, like we've been saying. I mean, it, it's got to be the most. It's got to be the most egregious game. Um, but again, it's it, it had all the hallmarks of what what Denver has been known for this year when they play poorly. Right. You start slow. You bring no energy of your own, so the crowd can't get into it, um, and so then they can't give you any energy. Because you have no energy, you play no defense. Uh, you brick once uh, because you're settling for outside shots and you won't go in the paint. Right. Once you brick, other teams are fast breaking you, and you just give them easy layups. Then you go back down the other end of the court and you brick threes, and they come back to your side and they get easy layups. Right. Like it. It's really uh, that's the worst kind of basketball. Um, and I just I don't want to see any more of that. Like that's. They've done enough of that this year for me already. There's been a half a dozen games easily where that's been right, the case. Right, and it's I mean it's just such a clearly, uh, you know, it's such clearly effort driven is is the reason that they're having those problems. And it's I mean you know you want you 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 understand to a point because it is a young team and and young teams are prone um, to, to pl- doing things like playing down to your competition and not maybe giving your effort all your effort on a game that you think you have in the bag. Um, but it, at some point, it can't be an excuse, right? This is uh, the, right. The, well, once you know it, like once you know that's the problem, you know you can't be like, "Well, that's okay. We're going to show up the exact same way the next game, and it'll be fine." Right. Uh, no, it's not fun. Right. So uh, let, let me let me kind of pivot to this a little bit because I do want to talk about that Golden State game because it's, <laughs> I thought it was funny uh, listening to Coach uh, post game. You you just thought they won. You know, he was. I've never right. seen him that happy. Um, after a loss, and, uh, and the reporters all, all very happy. All the questions were positive. You know, all the questions were, um, oh, what did you think? You know, oh, it was great to see Jokic back playing his game. I mean, uh, is it is it a just a, uh, there's not really moral victories, in my opinion, in professional sports, but is that as close to no. a moral victory as you can get? Well, I don't know, because I, I still don't believe in them, but the, uh, games like that should be measuring sticks. And so what Malone was happy about, in my opinion, was that they they measured up. That you looked at them right. and you said, look, if we were the five seed going against the one seed in the playoffs, that's how it should look. So if we're going to be the five seed, that's what we should bring to a playoff game. It should look like that. So you say, okay, so even though we've been screwing up against, you know, pathetic teams, th- that's fine. We still have it. The team I thought we were is the team that, you know, we, we brought tonight. And we will bring that against Atlanta and everything will be fine because we, we just measured ourselves and said, yep, that's who we are. Right. But they didn't do that. No, yeah, right. So it, 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 it's not a moral victory. It, it, the problem is it was a false – it's like a false positive. You yeah. know, when you get a – when you take a medical test and they're like, oh, you're, you're, you know, you might have this. Let's take a look and examine it closer. You know, but you pop that you might be positive for whatever this problem is. Well, we popped for the problem of being a good team, and then we got tested again and found out that no, we're not a good team. You do not have good teamitis. That's, exactly. That's Doctor Gordon Gross for you guys right there. Anything like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I don't know. I'm like you. I don't believe there's moral victories. I mean, I thought there was a lot of a lot of good to take out of that because. Um, because of what I was talking about before, about how I thought they really, they really did play their game and executed it. The downside of it, though, is but they also like, set it up well, man. 
Like they, I mean, you had Wiles like um, showing up. You had you gave spacing around Jokic, which they keep not doing. Right. You know, um, Will Barton wasn't really running the point in that game, uh, so that made it easier. Like. He, some of the things about the roster that are cluttered up with people playing in the wrong spots or doing the wrong things um, didn't happen in the Golden State game. And for me, that's also a measuring stick for the coaches. Like, if you know that it works and you prove to yourself that it works, I don't know why you go back to other things. Yeah, I don't know. And, and I don't know if it's all necessarily because some of the times, you know, I think a coach gets the blame for some stuff and it's, it's you, you never know. You never know if, if it's the coach not making the right adjustments or the players not executing the coach's adjustments. Right, yeah. So, and some of me tends to think it's more more on the ladder there where, especially because you see it, because we see it against, what we're talking about, we see it against Golden State. They come out and they play their game and they execute it perfectly against Golden State. Then against Atlanta, they they bring the energy. Yeah, exactly. And and so to me, I think some of it it is just just a matter of the focus, the players not having the focus to... um, because they they are doing something that's that's not the norm for basketball and it's not easy you know easy basketball is to just play iso right and shoot jumpers or or right, maybe yeah, yeah. or if you want to give it effort you still the easy way to do it is just play isolation basketball and then try and get into the get into the net and other guys will go stand in in the corners and you know you you try and kick out to them the nuggets are playing something of a, a somewhat more complex um, system when they're when they're using Jokic the way he's supposed to be used most effectively, and so if they don't have the focus, then it's you know they don't have that crispness. That's when you start to see the, the turnovers that that we that we see where they they just you know in Jokic in particular no uh, will have yeah them. but their turnovers like Jokic has his turnovers and and they annoy me, but the fact that we don't have a person on the team who can make an entry pass. Like Will Barton included, yeah. there is oh, no, no one on this team who can throw the ball eight feet into the paint over the outstretched arms of some other person. Other than Jokic, it's in, it's unbelievable to me. Yeah, other than Jokic, who can do it from the half court line. Right. Like I don't, I don't understand. It's it's so bizarre to me that some of the basic basketball skills are so um, underserved on this team, where. Just really what you would assume would be really easy things. You know, last night, Will Barton throws a ball right out of bounds. Right. You know, yeah, I know I know that Marcus All was holding Jokic, but he's throwing the ball like 15 feet, you know, this way and be like, Jokic, use your giant arms and reach way out and grab it. I'm not going to throw it onto your chest in any fashion. Use your go-go gadget arms and... Yeah, I just it it's that sort of stuff. It's it's um Jamal Murray dribbling off his foot or throwing into three other jerseys or like those sorts of skills, we don't have anybody crispness. Right. We lack the the Nuggets just lack crispness um, when anybody puts any pressure on them. Right. And uh, and again, that's part of being a young team. You don't have all your skills yet. You know, it's it, Jamal Murray's still what like a junior in college. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it, I get it. You know, I absolutely get it. It's just exceedingly frustrating when you're like, I want you to make a basic basketball play right now and get Jokic the ball on the block. And then it's a turnover layup, you know, turnover layup, turnover foul. Right. It, it, <laughs> uh, it's those things that, that the Nuggets really, really have to work on because when they're focused, it's okay. It's it's sort of like the way that they play defense, really. Um, they play on-ball defense, all right. Right. You know, you have... Um, you know, you have Tory Craig and uh, although well, not last night, but you have you have Tory Craig and Malik Beasley and you know uh, even uh, Jamal Murray. You, you, they mm-hmm. they when they face up when the guy is right in front of them and the ball is two feet from their face, they're like, I got this. Right. And then if someone's cutting behind them, they don't they don't got this. That's that's not what they got. Right. Well, and, and that Gary Harris is I think is is uh, guilty. Wilson Chandler is. I mean, they're really all of them are guilty. Of that. All those guys. Yeah. Are, are, oh, yeah. yeah. You're right. You're one hundred percent right. They're they're all fairly strong. Emmanuel Moody. They're all strong one-on-one defenders when a guy's just trying to ISO and, and, the, and you're right and they, get, they can face him up. But, and there's no screens. Exactly. Yeah. And there's no screens that they got to try and fight over. <laughs> but anytime there's right. any sort of movement or any, any action going on, like, yeah, they, they just, they get lost. They don't, they don't fight over the screen. Jamal is, Jamal and Gary have got better about that. They, they are, Jamal especially, I noticed, will, he will almost 
always try to fight over the screen, almost to a fault to the point where it's like, well, dude, you're clearly about to just get screened um, here. And Malik the, Beasley, too. Yeah, I've that's been, true. I was really impressed with Malik Beasley last night. His his want to was really there. I like that. Well, too, I mean, let's get into that Memphis game. I think we've since we've, we've probably spent enough time on that losing streak. Um, you're right. Malik was one of the big uh, was one of the big talks um, after the game because really the bench the bench was was pretty much phenomenal um, in terms of the way the the game swung um, the the, the well, starter well the, okay, so the starters were absolutely terrible uh, out of the gate yeah okay I, I hear you and, yeah you're and then the about bench the, the bench kind of came back and, and got it got it back within a reasonable game and then the starters played well in the in the third quarter. Um, to kind of make the movement. But Malik Beasley, I thought, was one of the guys who was a catalyst, especially on defense, and, and Richard Jefferson, for that matter. Um, both those guys played, I thought, played really well on defense that uh, combined with Memphis's just ineptitude. Uh, uh, well, yes. and that, that But that really but again, swing it, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and they put pressure on Memphis, and Memphis, you know, folded. Right. But the Nuggets hadn't put pressure on anybody in, in the last week, so it was nice to see them put pressure on someone. Right. You know, and at least make them beat you. Do not just fold for them. And so, um, Beasley was a huge part of that. Um, I loved his his defense and his willingness to cut off passing lanes. Heck, Farid was cutting off passing lanes. Farid had you know several steals last night. Yeah, just like get get hands out there. You know, um, getting up on people. Didn't seem to miss many rotations as I watched the game. You know, live. He was where he was supposed to be, which was. Nice to see, right? Because that's usually the problem. But I mean, literally, the free defense in that game was just fine. You know, it, it, um, and that's I want to I want to touch on that real quick because that that's so encouraging. See, I got I to tell you, there there's no player um, that I've done more of a 180 on is just like my my feelings towards them. Um, I think Kenneth Freed, since I've been you know the the player who since I've been able to like go into the locker rooms and, and, and talk to players more, um, right. Kenneth, man, like the, the the guy just wants to play. He really does. But I've always said, well, yeah, that's fine. But you gotta, you if you want to play, then you gotta do the things that coach is asking of you, um, which right. is play defense. So that, it, it's really encouraging to see him and see him play that last night. I mean, he only gets fifteen minutes, um, and and even I think even last night the vibe I got from him was it was like you know he was happy to get it, get the minutes, but he's still you know still kind of like man, I only got fifteen. Like I really want to play more than that. Um, but it's just good to see. Like he, he's another one of those guys who's got all the physical tools to be to be just fine on defense. To be actually very good um, on defense. And if he just if he just puts, and I, I don't even want to say effort. I don't know if it, if it's Fareed, maybe he just doesn't value defense enough. I guess is is the way I would no, say. No, it's it. it's effort. You no, think he, so? he does well, and I, I I agree that he doesn't. It's he doesn't care enough about the defensive end. That's not where the highlights are. Right. Um, and he's not interested in improving. Like, if he was interested in improving, um, uh, he would not rank dead last in, you know, points per possession allowed on defense. Like, he's right. the worst in the league. There, uh, that's not necessarily, like, a, a stat that means everything. Right, it's not but the gospel, you are but it's it's very much like Moutier. Yeah, right. it's like Moutier, where you're like, look, man, if you are like the worst point guard in the league by RPM in multiple years running, mm-hmm. that's probably you. It's not a flaw of the stat. Well, and then it's 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 where you you get you get the combination of uh, as we're gonna, I'm gonna sidebar here into a little bit of an analytics versus eye test discussion. But right, the the, the key the key is always uh, in in evaluation is you you can't just take one or the other. Um, and right. say that's all that matters. So when you see something like that, where Farid's last in in points per possession allowed, or uh, Moutier's last in RPM, then you can you can you say okay, that's like I said, that's an indicator of something. And then the eye test backs it up, right? I mean, you can watch the right. film on on Farid, and you can just see he's he's like like we talked about. He's he's just not you know he's probably he's fine if he's going to play one on one on a guy, and he's he's engaged. I remember uh, George Carl used to put uh, he'd put Farid on LeBron James. At the end of games, because simply because he was the one guy who had the physical tools that that might be able to match up to a uh, to a LeBron. So those he's got he's got the the one on one stuff. But like if you tried to play him in any sort of you know team defense, um, it just doesn't happen. Well, and it's it's just a 
he's the sort of guy who, if you let him go against bench players, should be better. Because there's right. not a lot of guys who are going to be taking him off the dribble, and there's not a lot of point guards who are going to make him look stupid by, you know, uh, running a bunch of action and, and hitting, up, hitting him up with back cuts and stuff. Right. Um, but he doesn't want to be a, a backup. He wants to be a starter. But So the, the problem that this team seems to have... Uh, at least in their losses, is that the people who think that they should deserve more time or should deserve a bigger platform aren't producing when it matters. Like uh, that's the frustrating thing about about this team this year. They're they're doing fine, and you know they've had they've lost their second best player. So I get the problems. You have a lot of growth happening, uh, but a lot of guys, you know, Will Barton is so focused on being a point guard that he forgets that Jokic is really the point guard. Right. Like last night, he wasn't passing the ball. He wasn't um, working with them. Barton leaves the game. Lyles comes in instead of Plumley, and all of a sudden, Jokic is like, "Hey, look, I can play again." Right. You know, it, it. Those are the sorts of things where you can just tell the disconnects on the team where guys are worrying too much about what am I supposed to be doing and not enough about what's available to me on the court. Right. You know what was interesting last yeah, night? It's tough. Last night, Jokic kind of—I mean, he he referred to like how he has to play differently, um, depending on who he's playing with up in the front court. Like you know, he said he's like when when Trey's in there, Trey can be that stretch four, um, and, and and you know I can I can work more in the post. Where if it's Mason or Kenneth in there, you know, then I've got to be the stretch. Um, and, and, but he, and he takes that, again, and that's his role. That's what I'm talking about. He believes that he needs to be the stretch. Right. And so rather than running clear outs with Mason or Fareed or whatever he could be doing, instead he floats on the three-point exactly. line and chucks 0 for 8 threes. Yeah. Like, because he believes he's now the stretch four, and he says, never mind what I could be doing. Here's what I should be doing. And that's that's the part where I, I would like to see Malone pull his guys aside and say, here, I know you feel like you're playing the, the stretch four right now. You are not playing the stretch four. I'm playing a 2-5 lineup. Right. So I need you to work in the paint in tandem and clear each other out and set screens and do back cuts and whatever you're going to do from 15 feet in. Right. Because here, yeah. here's the thing, too. When you think about it, it's it, if you're not playing Emmanuel Moutier, there, right. every every other guard and every other wing on the team can can shoot the three ball. Like I mean, I, you probably want to avoid a ton of time where you're going to have uh, Jokic with Plumlee and or Fareed, and then also Tori Craig out there. Um, right. But but you know that's why he's got to if he's going to keep Jokic in those sort of situations, it's got to be. Um, you know, you you want to be with, with Jamal Murray um, and Gary Harris on the court, or with even with Will Barton. You've got to have those other guys who are those shooters um, who can stretch the floor for them and at least keep the lane open. Because I think what Jokic is seeing and what, and what even a coach is seeing is, you know, this is why it didn't work with Nurkic, right? It was because Nurkic just clogged up yes. the lane um, and, right. and nothing could happen. But the key with Emmanuel Mude was also playing the point guard, and that was that was what made it really tough. Was because Emmanuel really needs an open lane um, to be effective, uh, more so than than Jokic needs one. It, it helps Jokic too. It helps cutters, right? Um, and we haven't seen that as much this season. But I think if you play if if you play Jokic with with Murray and a Harris and a Barton or a Chandler. Um, and then, then it, he doesn't have to necessarily stretch that floor as much. Um, you know, it, it, you can still cut. You can still find room in the lane when you've got two bigs. Because Jokic isn't necessarily going to clog the lane up entirely himself. He's not like Plumlee or Fareed in that he can't hit anything outside of the, the restricted circle, right? I mean, he's got— Right. Yeah, man, last year he was like, what, what, the most efficient guy from like, you know, uh, 5 to 15 feet? Right. Like, it, it, he's got the touch. I don't worry about that. But he worries about it. Um, and— it's it's just uh, I feel like they haven't freed up everybody to believe in their own capabilities, uh, and so they we talk about how you know the the Plumlee and Jokic lineup together is not uh, their their plus minus is very minimal, right? Uh, you know as as far as net like their right. their their net rating is not, is not good, but um, but barely, but barely, yeah. But it's not like, like Jokic and Lyles, which is like a like plus twelve or something like that, right? Yeah, and Jokic just Jokic without. Um, Jokic without Plumlee is something like plus 6.5 or some, you know, crazy right. we would be great number. But it's not necessarily that NC, this is why they can't play together. It's the way that they are playing together is not making them effective. Right. Um, and it's part of the problem that they had with um, 
uh, Millsap early in the year when he hadn't figured out yet how to play with Jokic. Yeah, and, um, what stinks and I think too it is, takes personal responsibility. I mean, yeah, we, well, it was just with Millsap. What stinks too is, is like that right, when, right when he was starting to figure it out. Um, I know. That was that was. The, I know the, the what if hurt. of this season. You know, <laughs> exactly. we talk about we talk about Jimmy Butler and how great he would be in Denver. You know, and the Nuggets weren't willing to move Murray to make that happen. And I understand if right. they're not focused on the next couple years, then yeah, you you keep the guy that you think might have the huge upside. Um, you know, you can always sign Jimmy Butler in in two years anyway. Like right. seriously, like if you really wanted to do that, you can pay Jimmy Butler a fortune. You know, two years from now, and have him leave Minnesota. Yeah, you could just give him Millsaps money. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They'll have it, right? Um, and that could be a perfect plan for them. But the idea that um, that Jimmy Butler is better is, you know, and would have been perfect for this team is great. Except if Jimmy Butler had gone down like Millsap, they would be in the exact same position. So the problem is not that they picked Millsap over Butler. The problem is Millsap is not here, right? You know, the guy who's been healthy his whole career is not playing, and it's messing up what they were trying to do. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, tell you what, uh, I still want to. I still want to talk a little bit more about this Memphis game, but we are, we kind of jumped already into the next section, which is about Nicole Jokic. So I think what, what we'll do, we'll go ahead. We'll just hit, let's hit a break, uh, and we'll just keep talking. When we come back. I, I think we'll talk a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit more about Memphis. We can talk a little bit more about Jokic. Um, sure. And then we'll get into the Spurs probably to wrap this thing up. So let's get a break, and let's be right back. all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. to the uh, Pickaxe Punnett Show. Sorry, I, just, I, th- I think Trey Burke might have just got signed. Uh, random squirrel there moment. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with Zach Nikos. I'm with Gordon Gross. Um, we, we've been talking about basically about just about these past, this past uh, run of terrible games. And then we started getting into Nicole Jokic there a little bit. Um, so I guess I want to – let's get back onto the Grizzlies here for just a second. Um, I want to talk about – what one of the things that the, that the Nuggets uh, needed to do against against this Grizzlies team was was simply play um, better better defense in in I don't know because here's the problem I, they, they they end up winning this game um, and they and they which they needed to they did not want to go on a four game losing streak but I don't know that you can necessarily be encouraged because let me ask you this Gordon do do you think that last night's game was and the fact that Memphis only scores 78 points, I mean, how much of that is actually a result of great defense by the Nuggets? And how much of it is a result that just Memphis is just not a good basketball team? Memphis is basically terrible. <laughs> um, now, they've played other basically terrible teams this last week and, you know, have made them look great. But the, the Grizzlies are 
without without Conley in the in the lineup, they they don't have the guy to orchestrate. They don't have the guy to drive the basket. They don't have the guy to set them up for um, early scores. So they're always um, looking in the last few seconds of a shot clock to make stuff happen, which was fine when they could play defense, but it, they can't play defense now either. Right. The funny is. It's so funny that you said that, like without my they they later they don't play a point guard. Um, no. Other than I mean Mario Chalmers comes in off the bench now. He was starting for a little while for him. And this is Mario Chalmers who was like God knows where um, last season. I don't think he was playing at all. Uh, you know he he's given he's like the only actual point guard uh, on the team right now. Other than uh, other than Mike Connolly who of course is out uh, and they're not even getting minutes. I mean they they start Tyreek Evans. At the point guard, but Tyreek is a, is a two in, in in every sense of the word, um, and you're right. I, I tend to think that too. Like I, the 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 one obviously the one the one guy that uh, the Grizzlies have is is Mark Gasol, um, and and for the most part, at, at least especially in the first half, uh, Mark pretty much got whatever he wanted. Uh, against against the Nuggets, and then I thought I thought he oh, almost Mark, Mark destroyed everyone except for Wiles. Right, Mark was like, okay, I can go wherever I want and do whatever I want, and then just stopped. Right, and the, in a way that has infuriated Grizzlies fans for the last decade. Well, yeah, exactly. He almost it was almost like he just decided, yeah, he, he I thought he did them a favor, um, and, and just kind of yeah. just decided to start settling for jump shots when because at the very beginning of the game they had Jokic uh, on him or Jokic kept getting switched on to him. Um, and he got two fouls like almost instantly. It was it was it was, it was one of those nights where you're like oh great here we go Jokic is going to be in foul trouble all night. Um, and, and then they t- they basically didn't ever put him on Gasol again um, and just had Plumlee on him for a while. And I mean yeah Gasol got everything he wanted against Plumlee. That's when he was able to get to the free throw line. That's when he was getting all of his um, all of his points in the paint. And then and then and then he just started shooting threes in the second half. And Trey Lyles. Uh, being a guy that's willing to go out and defend at the three-point line, um, and you know, not not that Mason's not, but Mason's a guy that you want to kind of keep down in the lane uh, on defense. Uh, you know, put Trey Lyles on him, and so Trey Lyles had a hand in Gasol's face every single time, and he just he didn't, uh, and, he, and he didn't make any of his shots. And then, uh, so I mean, that other than that, and and we kind of talked a little bit about Malik Beasley. Um, I didn't really see anything else that, to me, stood out as, as exceptional. They, like I defense. said, they no, they they played the passing lanes well. They they tried to um, short circuit any ability to roll to the rim, which was good. Um, but Gasol just stopped trying to go to the rim. Right. Um, Gasol is Gasol is the very mature version of of Jokic in the sense that neither of them really want the mantle of being the man. Right. That's why Gasol needs Conley around because Conley has been the man even when people were telling you he'd never be the man. Right. You know that that was his thing, um, and, and Gasol doesn't want it. And Gasol's not the kind of guy who's going to put up forty on you all the time. Right. Uh, because he he just he would rather pass or you know shoot a three or whatever it is he's going to do. He has other things that he's trying to do in a ball game, and, and Jokic is is like that in that sense. Um, the hope is that Jokic realizes better than Gasol ever did that if he just wants to dominate, he can dominate. So let me ask you this: how, I mean, how does how does he do that though? Like this is it's almost like oh, you almost have to have a, a debate on psychology here. But I mean, how, it's so it's simple for us to say from you know from our chairs here that oh yeah, Jokic just needs to be more aggressive. He just needs to develop that mentality to be a more aggressive player. But like I don't. I, I, there, there's a part, there's a certainly a, a a line of thought that that is that you either have it or you don't, right? Like, I mean, um, nobody nobody taught Kobe Bryant how to be aggressive uh, on offense. That's just just the way the way he's built. Nobody has taught Will Barton how to be aggressive on offense. It's just the way it, you know. It's just ingrained in him from being the guy, from likely being the far and away best guy on his basketball Play team for his entire life. Yeah. Right, exactly. Whereas that's not really been the case for Jokic. When you think about it, I mean, even when when, when he was in Serbia playing for Megalex, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different kind of setup over there, right? Like, the young guys aren't aren't really looked at as the guy on, on the They're team. They're seen and not heard. Right, yeah. exactly. And, and Jokic, it wasn't until his very, like, the very last run of games in... 
playing for Megalex where he really was, it was him just taking over at that point, right? I mean, it was it was essentially the end of his last season there where he just blew up um, after having a, a good season all year, but he blew up at the end, and then that was that was like, okay, this guy is, this guy is for real. And then he was immediately over here uh, with the Nuggets, and, and again, very quickly – now he's been put into this role of like, well, okay, well now you're the man. You are the, you are the star. You're the face of the franchise. You are um, the one who makes us go. And I don't know that you can just ask him to flip that switch. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be easier for him in a couple of years. Um, it's probably going to take him leading the next Serbian team. Honestly, right? I'm not going to lie to you. Like even on the Serbian national team, there you know. One of the reasons that that they were so uh, many of the fans were upset with him for not playing this year was because all of their other real stars are going to have aged out right. by the in the next four years before the next Eurobasket because they switched it to a four year thing. Right. So um, you know uh, Milos Teodosic and, and all those guys yeah, aren't Bobon really going to be and... the man. Yeah, yeah, no. The guy who's going to be the man is going to be Jokic, who's going to be coming into his prime. It's going to be his team, and when he leads his national team. On the on the international stage, in my opinion, that's when he's going to go ahead and um, realize that leadership is something he's going to have to do, and he's going to step right. up and you know that's uh, a great point and, and go ahead and and, and dominate because it, it'll matter then it'll be something that he's he has done for country and can then do for team right because that's a good point because you know when you think about it he was definitely uh, one of the main cogs obviously when they when they won the silver medal um, at the Olympics. But he wasn't like he wasn't the leader of that team. You know, there was there was all those veteran, um, veteran guys on that team. He was he wasn't just, even the lead center of that team. He was just the guy that would come in and get the right, points. right, and like, get the point and just yeah, just use his skills and 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 just, just basically how he's been most comfortable. Right, like Jokic is right. the type of guy who probably in the NBA is best playing on. You know, he would be great on a team like Cleveland um, or on a team like Golden State where he's. Not so he's surrounded by a bunch of veteran proven guys who know how this works and and know how how to lead a team and he can just be there and play basketball like that's that's kind of where he's well, at yes. in his mental arc right now you're right but I think well it, and if he if he if he was on say the Trailblazers right okay you have Damian Willard you have C J McCollum you have two guards who are willing to pass him the ball, who understand how to work a pick and roll, who will hand him the ball and be like, You're, I pass it to you, now you score. And so he's not making the choice. He's just reacting. Right. If you give him the choice, he wants to facilitate for someone else. He wants to defer. So you have to get someone on the team who tells him what to do. Right. You need that alpha point guard to, to give him the ball and say, Look, man. This is your tar- turn now. You go in there and you kill people. Right, right. Um, or here, I'm going to give you the ball, and then you know we're going to. This is the, this is what we're going to run, and don't worry. Like, right. I'll make it work on my end. You just get me the ball back, um, and right, and, and and it'll make it happen. Which I think is this is it's why Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are, are to me they're so crucial. I, I've said a lot a lot of times that Jamal Murray really this to me this iteration of the Nuggets the key to it is Jamal Murray like he has to be the one to become like the guy and be that Damian Lillard type yes. player for the Nuggets. Yes, um, and 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 that's that's what will make this work. Um, but because without it, I, I just don't think we can sit here. We, we can rely, like we've been saying, I, I don't think you can just rely on Jokic to suddenly flip the switch um, and be an aggressive uh, player who's who's you know he's, putting up twenty shots a night or something like that. Like I just don't, I just don't ever see that. He's so damn game. good. He's so damn good, but he's never gonna he's never gonna crack his usage, you know, up like to like Westbrook levels. Right. It's not it's not in him. It's not in his nature. He wants to pass. He wants to facilitate, and he's so damn good at it that it creates all these opportunities for other people. Right. But at some point, someone is going to have to step up and take the reins, uh, just even in the moment when he's being passive, to force him back to being active. Right. Someone else has to do that. I don't think that's going to be internal for him for a while, and the Nuggets don't have that guy. Right. Like they they don't have that guy. Um, that would have been Jimmy Butler's Jimmy job Butler, if right. Jimmy was here. I was just thinking the you exact know what I mean. Like I was that, the exact same thing. That would be his job. Is he would go, go on the sideline, grab him by the jersey, be like, "Okay, the next five plays down the court, I'm giving you the ball, and I want you to score. Right. I'm not messing around with you. That's a- I will close like." 
you know, but you your job is to go basically hit them in the body until they fall over. That's I mean that that's the great point of it. Say I think the best way to put it is somebody needs to hold him accountable for his aggressiveness, and it can't just be the coach, right? And it can't no. and it can't be Richard Jefferson or Mike Miller. Like it, it's got to be, it's got it's got to be a proven guy, and 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 I think it could be a Gary Harris or a Jamal Murray. I, both of those guys, I wonder if either one of them has really that that sort of mentality. Jamal might. Um, I think Jamal. Is, I think Jamal does. Yeah, I, Jamal, especially on the court. Jamal's the hungry one. Like, yeah, yeah. Jamal's Jamal's the guy that um, he wants it. Right. Um, he's not ready for it yet, but he wants it. Uh, I don't. I still don't know that he's a point guard, but he can certainly be um, the fiery, you know, gunner. He can be. A, he can be the the alpha scoring wing that yeah, pretty yeah. much every single championship team ever has had. Right? Like I, you think Basically, about it. You, yeah. you think back like uh, throughout the championship teams. I mean, the only team that immediately comes to mind that didn't really have that guy. Uh, was the Mavericks, which is which is to me is almost as big. They, that team is almost as big of an anomaly, uh, anomaly, an anomaly, anomaly, <laughs> an anomaly as as the Detroit Pistons. Well, but in the playoffs, in, in the playoffs, wasn't it Terry who just like lost? Well, yeah, and, well, and Berea, JJ Berea also played played yeah. out of his mind um, in, in that series as well. Jason Kidd was, uh, you know, it was steady for him. But but the thing is, that it's not like you know you look at all the other championship teams. I mean, uh, there there was either you know the Dwayne Wade's or the Kobe Bryant's or the Steph Curry's and Clay Thompson's and LeBron James and uh, yeah, and Kevin Durant. You want him to be. Do- you want you want Murray to be Dwayne Wade. Yeah, Dwayne. exactly, exactly. That's what you need him to be, um, and hopefully just a little bit better of a shooter. Uh, and then it, you know, but but that's what it's always been. There's always been, and usually that's the number one guy is is that scoring wing. Right. Um, it, maybe that's cha- you know we we think the NBA is changing, but it really hasn't. I mean, that's still been kind of the case. Um, even even until right now, when you think about Golden State, what makes Golden State so potent is that they've got three of the best scoring wings uh, ever to play the game of basketball, honestly. Exactly. All right, well... I think we got lost, and I think I probably ran you out of time here on your Spurs. No, we still got... I still got... Uh, we still got 10 minutes. We still got 10 minutes here. I wanted to... All right. One last thought I wanted to have on Jamal Murray to kind of close it all up. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, the aggressiveness, and, and the Memphis Grizzlies. I thought it was good last night to see from him. He did not have his shot going. Um, what was he? I think he was, he was, he was, he was like one, one of eight. One for seven. One, of, yeah. one for seven. Yeah. But yeah. nine for ten um, from the free throw line. Getting to the line. Exactly. For, on, and a game they were not calling fouls in was uh, – I liked I liked a lot exactly and and when you think I mean Jamal Murray is one of the best free throw shooters um, in the league so, in the league so if he's yeah. if he can get to the line ten times and that that's part of his game that I think he's got to develop uh, more is being more aggressive and getting to the basket and getting fouls um, because he's so effective from that free throw line but it was good to see it was good to see him do it last night um, part of the win all right let's get let's get into the Spurs since they are they're coming up here tonight and we've got we've got just a few minutes left. Um, what do you think about LaMarcus Aldridge and how he's come back and is suddenly suddenly now he's playing at an all-star level? Is it just a simple opportunity because Kawhi Leonard's not really playing, so they've got somebody's got to lead this team, or is it is it is there a legit uh, kind of I think it's buy-in. Change? Yeah, I think it's buy-in. I, I think that there wasn't a lot of trust last year that um, the coach didn't think that. Uh, you know, Pop Pop wasn't a believer that uh, Aldridge was buying in because he wasn't, and Aldridge didn't think that Pop was taking him into consideration because he wasn't. Right. And uh, you know, I mean, Pop talked about it this week where he was talking about how you know Aldridge came to him and asked for a trade, and Pop thought about it, you know, and said, you know what, I'm obviously doing you wrong. No one's ever you know come at me and said that I wasn't taking them into consideration. So why don't I do that? What is it you need that you're not getting from me? Right. And they worked it out. He's using uh, Lamarcus a little differently, and Lamarcus is providing the energy and the buy-in that he didn't have last year, and and reminding people why he was an all-star. Right. I say Lamarcus is back to. I'm pretty sure I, I haven't. I mean, pull up his stats, but I'm pretty. He's got to be averaging. He's not. So he's not quite averaging. I mean, when you think in Portland, he was he was a twenty and ten guy every. Um, Every season, this, this yeah, but a lot of that was empty. Like, right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah, this year, he's, I mean, he's twenty-two and eight, so it's it's we're kind of nitpicking here. But that's my point. He's back to being that guy who's who is going to get you. Who's I mean, his game. He's a back to the basket kind of guy with a with a um, 
range out to the out to maybe about you know he's not a three point shooter but a mid range guy, um, but he's just yeah, yeah. he just shoots at such a such a high high rate that that he can get you that he can get you those twenty points. You know you only maybe need to get him twenty possessions, um, and he'll get you twenty points every single time. You probably need to get him less than that, uh, and then he's just strong on the boards. It's I think you're right. I think it's just buy in from finally getting pop. Um, and him on the same page is clearly paid dividends. I do think a little bit of it is because it's it's easier to get them on the same page because I think part of getting them on the same page was hey, give me the ball more on offense and uh, <laughs> right. it's it's easier to do that right now when Kawhi Leonard's been out when when Tony Parker's been kind of coming back from his um, his calf injury. You know they, they they it's it's worked out well for them. I'm curious to see uh, if if Kawhi uh, can get right this year. Um, I'm curious to see if they can continue. Uh, God, I hope Kawhi can get right this year. It's man, it's it's interesting. I don't know because right, he's had the well. Now it's the shoulder. He had the um, he had the calf injury, right? And it and it didn't sound good. I forget what they called it. What he had, but it. I think it the the Latin root of you know degenerative was was in. The, <laughs> In the word of the, of the <laughs> injury, it's never a good sign. <laughs> right, and he was like, "Ah, oh, this isn't. This doesn't sound good." Um, but yeah, man, if Kawhi can, well, I, I hope and I don't hope because the Spurs are a team that the Nuggets could very, very easily see in the playoffs um, in the first round. Right. And Kawhi Leonard will destroy them um, like a basketball cyborg that he is. Let me ask you this, Gordon: since he's out. Um, other than LaMarcus, who who do the Nuggets have to pay attention to on the San Antonio team? I mean, is it just Pau Gasol? Is that, that really it, or is there somebody else you think is can hurt them? Well, Pau Pau is gonna is gonna hurt them just because Pau and uh, and LaMarcus together means that Jokic has to be on one of them, right? And uh, <laughs> neither one is a great great matchup for him. Uh, I expect him to be on Pau. That'll that'll be fun. Like on offense, he should be able to do fine, and on defense, we're gonna find out. Uh, but honestly, like, it, whenever we say who could possibly hurt the Nuggets, usually the answer is some random guy. Right. Like, it, it's it's usually some random guy that demolishes the Nuggets in these sorts of games. It's so you know, true Kyle Anderson. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and they have they have those guys, Patty Mills. Like, I don't know, but any of those guys can rip the Nuggets up because the Nuggets. Um, aren't really good at uh, limiting people to what they do worst. That's not a nugget skill. This is you're, you're, the nugget skill is usually let them do what they do best, and then we'll try to do what we do best, and we think we'll be better than you with that. This is like when you think about like Brian Forbes and 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 Demarco Murray might end up going like you know eleven of fourteen from three point line tonight, and I would not. Right. Yeah, I'd yeah. be like, yep, all right, that makes sense. That's, I'd be not shocked at all. <laughs> right. That's yeah. That's nuggets if, against the Spurs. If they, if they yeah. If the Spurs go twelve for twenty six from the three, I'm like, yep, that sounds right. You know, that's fine. What about uh, you? Got any concerns about Mister Mister Manu Ginobili anymore? I mean, like, is this guy is is he even part of a game plan anymore? Is he just like a guy off the bench now? Well, uh, we don't. It depends. Is Gary Harris going to play? Like, we don't. Yeah, that's true. You know, at at this point, I don't know if Gary's going to make the game. So if Gary doesn't make the game, then there are certain matchup problems you run into off the bench. Um, you're going to be basically telling Beasley to stop Manu from driving the, to the rim. Right. And uh, that could get amusing really quick. Right. You know, we'll see. I mean, it'll be another chance for Beasley to show that his defensive chops have really grown this year. He's surprised the hell out of me. Yeah, he's... With um, how quickly his defensive acumen has picked up. Because uh, his first year, he would get on the court and he would not know who was going where... He would not be aware of what's happening behind him. You know, he was barely aware of what's happening in front of him. Uh, the game was just moving too fast. Right. And now you watch him with his head on a swivel. He had uh, There was a steal that happened last night um, where uh, I believe it was Chandler just ripped the ball away. Uh, and Beasley jumped on the floor to grab that. But Beasley had already turned around and knew what was happening and knew his guy was not involved and had been backing up and prepping to be in position to basically get that steal. Right. It was – I'm glad to see that happening. That's that's a result of hard work. That's film study. That's, you know – It's uh, also buy-in, right? a lot of on-court work. It's, yeah, yeah. Because Coach has said if you want minutes, that's – got to play defense. That's how you're going to get on the court, so – 
Right. And Beasley, I mean, Beasley in college was just a scorer. Beasley right. in college was a three-point blaster, and he would, he would rebound. He was kind of like Will Barton. You know what's like, really he interesting? Would, he would grab some rebounds. Go ahead. Richard Jefferson specifically spoke about Malik Beasley, and that he was asked, you know, it was kind of about what, what what about Malik is making him better, and and it, he pretty much said that's that's what it's been is is buy in on defensive end, yep. and exactly what you said that that you know you you were a scorer in college and and you were the man in college. He's like, but every single guy in this locker room was the man in college. Every single guy in this locker <laughs> right. room was a McDonald's All American. Like these, it's it's not about what you, what you do; it's about what the team does. You know, and right. and what the team needs you to do, and and Leek's one of those guys who's bought into that. Um, he's taken he's taken his role very seriously, and I think honestly, somebody like Gary Harris helps with that, right? Um, where Gary's like, "Look, man, you know, I do what I do. You know, you need me to shoot threes, I shoot threes. You want to defend some guys, I defend some guys, right? You know, uh, I'm not out here for me; I'm out here for the team. And when you watched Gary get mega paid for being, you know, essentially, you know, a tremendous role player. Um, with some star potential, but I mean, mostly what he does is here's my role. My role on this team is to be the two guard who defends the you know the primary ball handler, and you know uh, I make threes and I cut to the hoop. That's it, and people will find me. I I have faith, right. and so Beasley's having faith, and I love that he's having faith. It's 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 doing wonders for his game. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's gonna be interesting to see. That's uh, the Nuggets have enough scores too. That's the thing. I mean, they've got they've got yeah. They need, they need wing defenders that desperately is is uh, that yep. that and, uh, and a, a veteran point guard are probably the two things I think that are the biggest holes um, on this team right now. Well, they they need a three. They need a small forward. But right now they're somewhat playing. They're playing uh, Beasley as a swingman. Right. They're playing him as a two-three, which I think is funny because he's not any bigger than Gary Harris. Right, right, yeah. Um, he's, but he feels like he is, though, right? Because he, he just—he feels he's like so he is. Spindly. Yeah, I guess it's a good way to describe him. He's yeah, but I mean, and and he's he's got some strength. Like you'll see him body guys up. It's it, it's not like Barton doesn't really body anybody up because he's one hundred and seventy-five pounds. Right, you know. Right. But Beasley Beasley will body some guys up too. He takes his job seriously, and I love that he does. That's that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad to see it because the Nuggets really, really need, like you said, they need him in that role. They need somebody. Uh, Murray's not a great, you know, defender yet, and uh, Harris is a good on-ball defender. Um, right. But having, but you need more, like because when guys get in the paint against us, they score. When guys get out in transition on us, they score. Uh, the, the Nuggets don't have that rim protector. They don't have that defensive presence, and they don't even have the guy who switches out early. They don't have Paul Millsap. Yep. You know, they don't have the guy who can cut the guy off on his way to the lane. So the more the more that you can stop um, the ball penetration from the wing, the better off you're going to be. It's really the only way they can do it. To be honest, it's the only yeah. way. To me, if you're gonna, if Jokic is going to be a, a featured player on your team, you, know, you pretty much have to have elite. Wing defense to stop the penetration because you don't. You're never going to have great rim protection. All right. Well, right. real quick, Gordon, um, who you got? Yeah. Spurs or Spurs or Nuggets tonight? What, what do you think the score is going to be? Uh, I never pick against the Spurs in San Antonio when Denver is there. On a back to back. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that's not that historically that is not good for us. That's pretty much like I don't pick. I know I will right. never again pick the Nuggets right. against San Antonio or against uh, Sacramento because apparently right. no Malone team can ever play Sacramento correctly. That is that is correct. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think the Nuggets have uh, much of a chance tonight. Uh, I, I figure it'll be something like a like you know Spurs and 98 Nuggets 87 something like that. Yeah, so, something like that sounds about right. Now you never know. Like somebody goes off, or Gary comes back and has a historic game. Like, sure, let's bring it. Right. But uh, the Nuggets are gonna have to work for this one, and they haven't wanted to work for a lot recently. Right. So last night was good effort, even though it wasn't good ball game. Um, you know, at least the last three quarters were a good effort. Right. Uh, so they're gonna need about four more quarters of that. There you go. All right, he is Gordon Gross at G Money Nugs. I am at Zach Mikosh at Zach Mikosh. We are, of course, on DenverStiffs.com at DenverStiffs, and you are listening to Nothing But Net Radio at In The In Dash Radio. Uh, appreciate you guys listening, Gordon. Appreciate you being on. You bet. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week.
time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.